0: Welcome to the Authentic Life Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified life coach, author, personal trainer, and nutrition specialist. For over a decade, I've been helping people with their dreams and goals for their life and health. I spent many years watching people get frustrated with their journey in life and giving up on taking actions towards their goals. So I dug in deep to find answers to why so many of us face this same frustration and struggle in life. So in this podcast, we're going to dive in deep on topics surrounding what it means to consistently live a fulfilling and authentic life, where you are unstoppable and taking action towards your dreams and goals. So the only question is, are you ready to start living your most authentic and fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. You picked a fascinating episode to join in on for the first time. I am going to say, if this is your first time listening in, though, that you might want to go back and listen to last week's episode because this week we are continuing our three part series on leadership, and today is part two. So, what we talked about last week is going to help make sense of a bit of what we're going to be talking about this week. Um, I'm not going to say like you can't listen to this one first, but I would recommend going back and listening to the first episode first and then coming back and listening to this one just so that everything that I talk about in this episode makes sense to you. Um, yeah, so let's get started. We're talking about leadership again. Last week, I talked with you all about kind of the difference between leadership and management and how we really use these terms kind of synonymously with each other. But it's kind of like what I talked about a few weeks ago when I talked about um, semantics and the word failure. And I talked with you all about how we synonymously use the word failure with what the actual process of learning is and how that's actually problematic for us because then we start associating failure, something that we have a very negative relationship with, with the process of learning and we start seeing the process of learning as being something that should be this like very neat and clean process that's very secure and blah, blah, And so we talked about that. So kind of the same concept here, and the fact that when we talk about leadership versus management, some of you might think, oh, why does that really matter if I use the word synonymously? I mean, they're close enough. When you manage, you're leading people, and when you're a leader. Otherwise, you're leading people, so you could just use... And I explained last week why it is important for us to sort of differentiate between these two terms. When it comes to seeing possibility creating vision of a goal and then setting a goal and then achieving it neither leadership or management is more important than the other and both are actually needed but they're also both quite different roles in this process of you know having a vision of a direction that you want to go in creating a clear vision of where you're heading in this direction and setting a goal and then implementing actions to get to achieving the goal. This whole entire process kind of needs a little bit of a dance between leadership and management. So, like I said, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back and listen to it because I explained to you more in depth what the difference is between these two and why that's so important to understand. And today, we're going to talk about leadership itself and we're going to talk about some of the sort of theories about leadership that are that exist and strategies of leadership that exist and maybe how some of us have experienced these theories or strategies in our life and how this might be impacting our own relationship to our role as leader in our own life because remember i talked with you all last week about the fact that every person in life is a leader And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But, you know, I really I I hit this home last week when I I want you all to understand that leaders are not like our leadership is not like for some people and not for other people. No matter if you take on a traditional role as a leader for a team or a company or, I don't know, in a branch of the government, from politics, and whatever, all of the traditional sort of routes of looking at leadership, whether or not you ever physically take on one of these roles in life is irrelevant to the fact that you will be a leader in your life. And what I mean by that is that as humans... We are responsible for our own personal development and growth. No one else is responsible for that. We can get help with it, and I do recommend getting help with it because so many of us have very dysfunctional models of personal development and growth, and, you know, trying to grow and develop from those models is going to be quite difficult if you don't have someone calling you out on your bullshit there. So I do recommend getting help, but we're, in the end, all responsible for how we will approach our own personal development and in that role of being responsible we become the leader of our own life and how we will approach personal development so if you remember last week when i talked about leadership it's about this this idea of having vision and creativity and seeing new possibility and ideas and questioning the status quo and then you know having clear dream and vision of a a direction you want to head in that sort of questions maybe how you were showing up in life before and that this is this is what leadership is all about and then inspiring all parts of you to want to participate in the journey of heading towards that vision that goal so this is leadership and whether or not you take on a traditional role Outside in life with other people, you will play this role in your own life. So it is important for us to understand what leadership is, the difference between it and management, and kind of the ways that we may have been socially programmed to see leadership because it will affect how we approach our own personal development. But it will also affect, for those of you out there who have traditional roles in leadership, It will affect how you lead other people. And for those of you who are in positions where you are looking for someone to lead you, you are being led, how you will look for leadership will be affected by what we're going to talk about today. So I want to kind of break it all down for you and get you all thinking about some some concepts some theories when it comes to leadership that maybe you never considered before. This is, um, there's a lot of reading that I did around this, and I'm going to be sort of reading some some stuff on my computer screen here while I'm recording this, so you might hear me kind of clicking in the background, and sometimes it may sound like I'm more reading than I am talking to you, and that's because I am going to be, uh, you know, I, I write out these outlines, but there was so much information, I just decided, you know, instead of me, you know, putting all of this information in my outline, I'm just sitting here with my web browser open on a bunch of articles that I was reading, and I'm just going to kind of like... Go back and forth between my outline and these to kind of talk with you all about this today. So, stick with me here. I know that some of you all may not see this as so inspirational today because we're going to be talking about a lot of theory here when it comes to leadership and research. But I want you to stick with me here because this is important. This is important for us to understand the ways that our society has approached looking at leadership. And the reason this is important to understand is because what we oftentimes don't pay attention to is that those models that we are being taught by society weren't always there. There are theories that people sort of came up with and then slowly they sort of became accepted and then some of them kind of moved out and other ones came in. The truth is, though, that when it comes to leadership... We're still very confused about what it is, guys. We're still very confused about this. The more I read about leadership, the more what I'm understanding is that when they try and quantify it, when they try and empirically research what leadership is, how it comes about, and, you know, um, how we define it, it's, it's sort of a big question mark right now. And while there's a lot of really fascinating research out there, What's happening, though, is that all these theories, everyone has like, okay, well, that's great, but this doesn't account for this over here. This doesn't account for this over here. So I think for it's important for those of us who aren't actually actively out there doing the research and realizing that the theories that we're living under are just theories and they are incomplete and there are... Other theories that question them and point out flaws in them, if we don't know about this ourselves, what ends up happening is we trap ourselves in stories and in theories that came from other people without us even realizing that we're doing it, and then we just treat them like they're facts that govern our lives, without us ever actually thinking about, what do I want to believe when it comes to these concepts? So today, we're talking about leadership. So that's what we're going to sort of cover today. And I want to start off with a definition of leadership to sort of get us thinking along the lines of a general concept of leadership, so that we can sort of look at some of the theories, some of the strategies of leadership, and see how they fit into this definition. And some of them actually don't very well, and... (laughs) I feel like a lot of us have adopted some of these theories that don't actually fit the definition of leadership, and that they come from an era when leadership and management were being looked at very synonymously and weren't being considered as two very different functions, which a lot of the research now is pointing at the fact that it's important for us to see them as two very different functions, and that trying to lump them together creates a lot of inefficiency, a lot of ineffectiveness when it comes to group work and maximization of processes and how leadership functions. So, what is leadership? Leadership is basically, it can be defined as a process of social influence, inspiration, trust, and understanding that maximizes the efforts of a group to want to contribute to a common idea, goal, or vision. And this applies to our personal development too, because as I told you all last week, if you can sort of imagine, you you have like an internal team, an internal family, an internal kind of community that lives within you. You have like your inner child, your inner father, your inner mother, you have your, you know, um, higher self. You, You have sort of bits and pieces of you, parts of you. You're a very complex being. You're not just surface level you know, I'm this one dimensional thing in life, we are very complex. And so we sort of can imagine that we have this internal team as well. And that us as leaders in our personal development, we lead that team, meaning we want to inspire that team, we want to influence that team, we want that team to trust us, and being able to decide where we want to go, and why we want to go that way, and then take action to consistently move in that direction. Which is why I coach in authenticity, because many of you out there aren't doing this. You aren't leading your personal development. You're letting stories from other people lead your personal development and then feeling unfulfilled and trying to escape your life because you feel stuck in these boundaries of life that someone else handed to you. And they're not authentic for you, and so you just feel like life is this thing that you just constantly have to deal with and try and get through and escape. So, yeah, anyways, when we talk about leadership, it is this process of social influence, inspiration, trust, and understanding that maximizes the efforts of a group to want to contribute to a common idea, goal, or vision. Big words that I want you to pay attention to in this definition are inspiration and trust, okay, and also understanding, so we have, influ- we have inspiration, trust, and understanding. Those are big words that I want you to think about here. So when we talk about the word inspiration, we're talking about this idea of filling someone with confidence or desire to want to contribute to something or to do something. That is what we're talking about when we talk about inspiration. It's this behavior that we can exhibit that sort of when someone observes it or is around it and aligns with it, it fills them with this confidence and this desire to then want to go out and do something. It stimulates um, greater and higher activity in a person and wanting to participate in Something Okay, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about inspiration. And, you know, when we talk about trust, it's about feeling as if we understand something, which we also said understanding is a big word, and that we believe in it, and that there is certainty there, there is security there. So when we talk about trust, this is involved in leadership. So we want, when we're leading, or when we're being led, we want for there to be inspiration, trust, and understanding. So keep that in mind as we sort of go through this next part of the episode. We're going to talk about some of the models and theories of leadership that have existed kind of throughout human history. And some of these models, they go all the way back to, I'm talking like ancient Greece. So models of leadership were being sort of researched and looked at, you know, all the way back in times of ancient Greece. So some of these models are really quite old. Um, And the first one that I want to sort of talk about is called uh, the trait theory. And so when we talk about the trait theory, it's this idea that the reason why or okay, so when we're talking about theories of leadership, basically the question that they're trying to answer is like, why does leadership happen? Okay, so when we 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 have people that we might look at as leaders, we might even have a team that we look at as the leaders or whatever. But why does leadership happen? This dynamic of either one person or multiple people sort of being seen as uh, something that is. Inspirational, that is trustworthy, um, and that we understand, and that influences a larger group of people or another group of people to want to participate and and put their efforts into contributing to a common idea, goal, or vision. So this is what these these theories are attempting to answer: is why does this happen? Like why do we have leaders? Like why isn't just everybody kind of doing their own thing? Um, and I think one of the One of the the big reasons has to do with our biological design for, you know, the fact that we are very social beings. Like, biologically speaking, we are engineered in a way in which our brain rewards us for social behaviors. So in other words, being part of a group, being close to other people, we have, you know, oxytocin is sort of that community hormone. It's that that human connection hormone. And we we receive that reward. We also have um, dopamine that we receive in response to certain behaviors that we perceive as giving us an advantage in social situations. So we are biologically engineered to be social creatures. And I think this has something to do with why leadership kind of arises. But that's kind of, that's one tiny part of, of my theory there. But the, the trait theory answers this question of how leadership arises based on the fact that there are people that are just born with specific traits, and these traits sort of just make them leaders. It's basically like if they are born with traits like intelligence, um, extroversion, openness to experience, um, self-efficacy, um, ability to adjust in certain situations, conscientiousness. Um, we might also have like assertiveness, dominance. So you have these these traits that certain people they they have this theory that people have these traits and if they have these traits they will become leaders that's basically what the theory is saying is that leadership arises from the fact that some people are born with these traits um and some of the traits they they have like the big 5 personality traits which uh fall into things like, like I mentioned earlier, like intelligence, extroversion, conscientiousness, openness to experience, general self-efficacy, self-confidence. So this is kind of like the trait theory is that leadership arises because of the fact that certain people are born with certain traits and that therefore they will like arise into leadership positions eventually in their life just because of these traits that they were born with. Now, I find this theory interesting because... You know, when we look at leadership, a lot of leaders embody, you know, we can sort of look at them and see that there are specific traits that tend to um, be embodied by people that we see as being leaders or people that arise to leadership or people that see themselves as leaders sort of embody these. So I can kind of see where this theory comes from. But there's also a bit of a problem with this. And I feel like a lot of people subconsciously sort of adopt this model in in partiality when it comes to their concept of leadership. The reason I see this as being problematic is the way that they talk about this is that people just have these traits and that having these traits means they will become leaders. Two problems with that. Number 1 is that traits are something that we can develop. So just because someone, you know, at the age of 15, isn't so assertive, or maybe they have issues with extroversion, they're more of an introverted person, then, um, you know, that's like saying, okay, they can't be a leader because they don't have these traits, which is problematic because of the fact that many people who in history have, you know, been what we would call successful leaders, may have developed these traits later on in life out of choice. Um, and we're going to talk about some some other reasons why this might happen. But so this this trait theory has some holes in it because it insinuates this idea that also traits are fixed, that people are born with traits and that they're fixed and that it will mean that you know some people will be born as leaders and some people will not. So the problems with that are that this, this promotes a fixed mindset. So it promotes this idea that either you're born with the traits of being a leader or you're not, and there's nothing you can do to change that, which is kind of some crap because we know now that, you know, traits such as assertiveness, um, extroversion, conscientiousness, these are things that people can work on. These are things that when, when someone wants to develop them in their life, they can develop them. It's not like you're born with X amount of this and that's, that's all you're just going to ever have. So these are things that people can develop later on in life. And this, this theory sort of neglects that idea. And it causes a lot of people when it, it comes to this approach to leadership to sort of dismiss themselves as being possible leaders and also to dismiss other people from, you know, um, encouraging them and cultivating leadership within them because we see them as being like, oh, they're just not a leader because they don't have these traits. So I think this is a little bit problematic when it comes to to that as well as the fact that it assumes that people that have these traits are going to make great leaders. And that's not always the case. So I, I think this, you know, one of the beginning theories of leadership, it, it's got its issues, it's, its holes in it. And I want to talk about this today because of the fact that I want you to ask yourselves, how much do you find yourself seeing leadership through a lens of this sort of trait theory, this idea that You know, people are born with specific traits that will make them leaders, and then other people are born without them, and they just won't make great leaders. Okay, so I want you to consider that. How much do you actually sort of follow and ascribe to this model of leadership, and maybe you don't even realize that you do. And I want you to consider how much this might be impacting how you approach your own ability to show up in life as a leader for other people and in your own personal development. And how you may be actually playing a victim in your life in many areas where you could be leading your life simply because you see yourself as not possessing the traits to be a good leader in life for other people or for yourself, and you just need other people to lead you. And so you just kind of sit around in your own life and don't lead it because you have this idea that you're just not a good leader. I want you to think about that. Okay, because like I said, this this theory has quite a bit of holes in it. And I think that because of the fact that this is one of the original theories about leadership, it exists a lot in social queuing and in a lot of literature, it's sort of insinuated in a lot of ways. And so I want you all to begin to consider how maybe you may have adopted this, this theory in certain areas of your life, and how it may be affecting your ability to show up in your own life to lead. All right, so the next model or theory of leadership is called the attribute pattern or character constellation. And this one's very similar to the trait theory. The difference being that instead of seeing people as being um, a great leader because of, you know, it's just like a sum of adding up certain character traits or traits in a person. It sort of looks at how these traits sort of cluster together and show up in life, and how they, um, how they they contribute to a person as a totality versus just being like a sum of these individual traits and variables. So it, it's sort of it's very similar to the trait theory, except for the fact that it looks at these traits as sort of being. Um, able to cluster and show up in different ways and also shows how some people may, you know, they may have a lot of the traits of being um, a great leader, but they might not show up as a leader in life because it's not about just like, oh, you have all the traits, so you're going to be a leader. It also depends on how you put them together and how you use them to show up in your life. So that's what this sort of attribute pattern or character constellation theory is is saying. I, I like it, but it also, again, it's going back to this idea that, you know, it's it's still only certain people that have these certain traits that are going to make good leaders. And, you know, either you have them or you don't. And either you, you know, they cluster together in the right way or they don't. And so I, I feel like, again, we, we really want to consider if maybe we have adopted a model of leadership that, that buys into this idea that leadership is about just sort of this arbitrary We're born with certain attributes or traits and patterns of traits or attributes, and that will make us a great leader or not a great leader. So moving on to the next one, we have the behavioral theory. So when it comes to behavioral theory, it's basically the the next step is that they looked at Okay, so if it was all about traits, if it was all about attributes, then everybody who had these traits or had these clusters of, of traits that, that made attributes and character traits within them, then everyone who had these would become leaders. But it's it's not happening. So, so there has to be some other explanation as to how leadership shows up. And so they came up with a behavioral model. And basically what what this is doing is... It evaluates leaders at the behavior level, so the things that they do, and it breaks down their behaviors into sort of two dimensions. The first dimension being task-oriented behaviors, so in other words the tasks, the, the, the behaviors that they have surrounding performance and, um, you know, seeing goals and moving the, the tasks that they, they do in order to move towards the goal. So they have task-oriented behaviors, and then they also have social-oriented behaviors. So um, the leaders' behaviors that develop interpersonal relationships or that form mutual trust. So basically, this model of leadership is saying it's all about just behaviors. It, it all depends on how a person shows up and the ways that they sort of behave surrounding performing tasks that, you know, eventually lead to a goal, um, and then also their behaviors surrounding how they relate to other people and form relationships with other people and form trust with these people. So I think it's a great theory. It does have some issues in it, because, again, as I've told you all before, when it comes to behavior, behavior is not what a person is or who a person is. Behavior is more of a product of how we interpret our environment and how we interpret our stories of life and then therefore how we show up in life. And while this can contribute to how some people take on leadership positions, I think it doesn't fully explain leadership simply by saying, oh, it's just behavior. Because like I said, You know, also when we look at behaviors, like, okay, we can look at task-oriented behaviors. So people who organize, people who perform a lot of tasks to organize. Not everybody who performs a lot of tasks to organize are going to be great leaders. And not everyone um, who does this becomes a leadership, you know, becomes a leader in some sort of position in life. So looking at behaviors alone also doesn't make sense because there's more to it than just showing up with behaviors. I do like the fact that they break down the two behaviors between task-oriented and social-oriented because it it is also sort of moving towards this idea that we're going to talk about later that leadership is more than just about like getting things done. It's also about how we relate to other people and form trust and um, interpersonal relationships with other people. And that's that's really important when it comes to leadership. But looking at it simply from... You know, if people exhibit certain behaviors, they will be leaders. It doesn't explain leadership, because not everybody that exhibits specific sets of behaviors, you know, takes on leadership positions. And some people that exhibit behaviors that are maybe considered leadershipy type of behaviors may not even, you know, take on the role of leadership in their own life. They may sort of still leave their life in the hands of other people to sort of lead them and tell them what it is that they should be doing in life and shouldn't be doing. So I think the behavioral theory also is a little bit incomplete. So the next theory that we have is called the situational theory. This one is a bit interesting. I like it. It has its flaws, but it's interesting to consider. And it's basically, you know, the theories up before the situational theory were basically looking at the fact that the people themselves, with their traits and their behaviors, make leadership happen you know it's like they go out and because they do this they create this desire for leadership they create this um you know the this pattern of people looking them to looking at them to be led and it's about the person and the situational theory is basically saying that circumstances in life situations in life play a big role in how people arise to leadership. So in other words, what they're trying to say is it's not that the person makes the leadership, but that the time makes the person into a leader. And this is interesting, but I also want to caution a little bit here because of the fact that, you know, when if we if we look at it too much in in this idea that situations make us do certain things then we become sort of like a victim to circumstance in our life. You know, I can't be a leader because I didn't grow up in XYZ like this person did. Um, And, you know, so therefore they can be a leader, but I can't because I didn't have those same experiences in life. So I think we need to be careful with this theory in the fact that while situations can be interpreted in certain ways and influence people to want to take on this, this role of leadership in their own life or for other people. Um, it can also get a bit sticky in the fact that it can create this idea, this sort of victimhood mentality in life that leadership happens because certain people were born in certain situations. And if you weren't born in those situations, then you're just not going to become a leader. So that's the situational theory. The next theory we have is called the functional theory, which is very similar to the situational theory, but it more so applies to, it sort of narrows it down to within groups. So instead of looking at life as a whole, the situations of life as a whole and being like these situations of life as a whole can sort of influence a person to take up their traits, take up their attributes, take up their behaviors, and then take on leadership roles in life what this is saying is that it's almost like leadership arises out of necessity within groups. So like groups have goals, and because they have goals, they need a leader to be able to pull them towards the goal. So leadership arises simply because we have these functions within groups that need to be filled by people, and this sort of pulls people into leadership because those functions exist. And so because those functions exist, people will arise to fill those functions. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting theory. I think it, it lacks quite a bit when we, we talk about the functional theory, but it also makes sense. I think it plays into a lot of the confusion between management and leadership because in this this sort of theory of leadership right here, Leadership is all about fulfilling, um, you know, the role of making sure that a group moves towards something that's already sort of been established. So the group is already there. It already knows what it's moving towards. And the leader is more like just there to make it happen, like they're a functional purpose. And I see that more as management, not leadership. Because remember, leadership is about inspiring people. And so if it's just like there's already a goal that everyone's moving towards and the leader is more so just the function of they arise to that position that organizes everything and brings order to the chaos and moves everyone effectively in that direction. That sounds more like management to me. So interesting theory, but I think it's, it should be more applied to management than it should be to leadership. But I think a lot of us carry around this idea of, of leadership and I want us to consider like how this affects us. I think this is something specifically to look at when it comes to corporate structures and business structures is this functional theory, because oftentimes we look to managers as leaders because they fill this functional role in businesses, and then we sort of take on this idea that we're going to talk about a little bit later, that this is what leadership is. It's just fulfilling that role and making sure everybody sort of does their thing and blah, 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 blah. and that's more management to me than leadership, because leadership is about really having that innovation, questioning the status quo, and like inspiring people to want to move in a different direction than how they were already sort of moving in a direction. That, to me, speaks more leadership when we look back at the definition of leadership that we discussed at the beginning of the episode, rather than this idea that leadership is just something that arises out of the necessity to fulfill a function. So the next theory of leadership that we look at is called the transactional theory of leadership. And this one is quite interesting and i think huh, it's sort of a theory of leadership that that has evolved into kind of what if if we look at organizations business structures today and how there's a lot of literature mounting right now to call these corporate structures these business structures into question and move towards i think they call them teal organizations um, in in the business structure, so basically this is like um, w- calling into question traditional leadership positions and the roles that th- that they play out in business world in the business realm in corporate realm, and how basically leadership is about this idea that leadership is about supervision and organization and performance and. It's about promoting compliance from followers, and that without compliance, followers are punished, and with compliance, they are rewarded. And a lot of times when we talk about this in corporate structures, what they're rewarded with is a necessity, a need in life, money, being able to financially support themselves to meet all their needs, buy food, buy you know shelter for themselves. And this model also, transactional leadership also stems out into oftentimes how parents can approach their leadership role in in how they treat their kids is this very transactional leadership role where it's about getting your children, getting your subordinates to comply, to follow through with your orders, and that if they do, they get rewarded. If they don't, they get punished. It's this very transactional form of leadership. Now I find this problematic and I find that so many people adopt this sort of theory of leadership and we're going to talk about how it sort of plays out in different you know styles of leadership but this idea of leadership that leadership is about you know compliance it's about making people follow rules Again, this sounds also a lot more like management than it does about leadership, but it can also be leadership, you know, because the person can have a goal, but then it's about, not about inspiring people to want to follow the goal, to, to see how their own authentic needs and wants in life could contribute to this goal. It's about using reward and punishment to sort of manipulate them into doing the things necessary to create the goal. And that's what this transactional leadership is really all about. And then we have the next theory, which is transformational leadership, which sort of takes the transactional leadership, but then sort of turns it on its head, where it's about seeing that there is job performance from followers. You know, we want for followers of a leader to... Take up their tasks, you know. Take up the the activities that are going to help bring the goal, the idea into fruition. But transformational leadership is more about serving the group to see what they need in order to um, inspire them to want to contribute to this and to collectively participate in their role uh, in in this the group and to moving towards the the collective goal, the collective vision. So yeah, that's sort of the, the transformational leadership versus the transactional. So transactional is about punishment versus reward and transformational is a little bit more or a little bit less about focus on the the reward and the punishment and more focused on kind of seeing the needs of the individuals within the group and how do we serve them to promote this idea of them wanting to participate in the, the collective goal. Um, so that's Transactional and transformational theory. And then the last theory that we're going to talk about, and I'm only going to briefly touch on this because next week's episode is going to be strictly about this, is the authentic leadership theory. And I saved it for last because you guys know I am an authenticity coach. So um, this is also one of the most, I think, modern approaches to leadership. It's sort of one that is a growing, it's its a growing field of research when it comes to looking at leadership from the academic perspective and trying to understand leadership. This idea of authentic leadership and the authentic leadership theory um, started arising at the, the end of the 20th century, beginning of the 21st century. This movement towards leadership needing to be something other than this idea of manipulation and getting people to do what the leader wants to be done based on punishment and reward and manipulation and scaring people and forcing them to do things and coercing them into doing things. And authentic leadership, this theory sort of came into sort of explain how it is that we also have leaders that don't do this. They don't coerce people. They don't manipulate people. And they they don't necessarily have to punish people to get them to want to participate in a common goal. So how is this then? if If the transactional leadership theory is true... If that's how leadership happens, then why is it then that we have leaders that don't need to do these things? And, you know, then why are people using this this model of of leadership if we know that we don't need to do that for leadership? So authentic leadership is more about leaders that are very self-aware. Um, and able to trust their own thoughts, feelings, motives, and values, but they're also someone who is very capable of self-reflection and responsiveness to feedback about their motives, their values, and goals. So it's someone who, while they're very self-aware, they understand what makes them tick and what is important to them. They're also very responsive to receiving feedback and how this affects the people around them, And being able to sort of reflect and self-evaluate and sort of change course in how they apply their values and how they approach them and how they reflect them to other people. Uh, in order to resolve conflict within the group that might be holding back growth or movement towards a common goal. And it's about honesty and moving forward with very non-manipulative patterns. So this is like authentic leadership is this idea that leadership arises because there are people that choose self-awareness and um, trust in their own thoughts and feelings and values and they, you know, look to other people and self-reflect based on the response from other people, and that this sort of way of approaching their relationships with other people and approaching their own life will stimulate them to rise into leadership positions. And I think this is really very interesting. I love the fact that that research surrounding leadership is sort of moving in this direction and looking at um, how this can be true and why it is that certain leaders don't need to use, you know, coercion and manipulation and punishment in order to get people to follow through and that leadership can arise simply out of a person choosing to be very confident in how they see themselves and see their values and see how they this connects them with other people and other people's values And then being able to use that to create inspiration towards a common goal where people can sort of pull this all together to move towards something that is common and beneficial for everybody. So that's sort of like the authentic leadership theory. So the the theories of leadership are trying to answer the question of how leadership arises. Um, The next question, or not the next question, but the next area of leadership that I want to talk about today is leadership styles. So what this means is we have the theories of of how leadership arises, and these are going to impact the style with which a person approaches leadership. Um, basically, how if they are thrusted into, if you want to say it that way, or if they choose to arise to, or they find themselves in a leadership position, or they desire leadership um, to become a leader, or you know when when people look to other leaders leaders take on certain styles of how they sort of apply their theories of how leadership happens. And these styles can can be broken down into, into several categories. The main categories that we're going to talk about, so the first one is the authoritarian uh, style of leadership. And basically under the authoritarian style of leadership, all decision-making power is lies with a leader. So in this leadership style, if you have a group and they are following a leader, decisions made about how the group is going to move, what's going to happen, everything falls on the leader. There's no consulting, you know, other members of the group or subordinates within the group for advice or opinions to make decisions. There's no discussion about how things will be implemented. It's just basically you have the leader, the leader is the authoritarian and they basically decide this is how we do things. This this style of leadership is basically like if you can imagine a dictator. The dictator's Quote unquote lead. I would suggest that they're not leading, they're managing because they're not inspiring anybody. Um, They don't lead. Or they do lead by by making all the decisions, and they they sort of see their subordinates as being incapable of making important decisions, and therefore they should do it themselves. They you know that's that's the authoritarian leadership style. The next leadership style we have is the democratic style. So in this one, decision making power is shared between leaders and group members, um, and social equality is important here. So what this means is that while There may be a leader that sort of everyone looks to, to sort of direct, and they look to this person to sort of feel inspired and cued in how they're going to show up for the group and and move towards a common goal. There is sort of still discussion between the leader of the group and the subordinates of the group, and there's this social equality, so importance of everyone's opinion. Um, in making the decisions of how the group is going to move forward. It's not just the leader making the decisions. Then we have sort of the, the next one, which is the laissez-faire. And basically, this is leaders that... It's almost kind of like if you can imagine the monarchy in the UK. They're kind of there, but they they don't really have any decision-making power. They're just sort of kind of seen as being leaders but they don't necessarily have power to make decisions for the group. Laissez-faire leadership style is basically like the members of the group make all the decisions. And, um, you know, actions are decided by the group. The leader might, they're, they're maybe more there for ceremonial purposes. They, they're not really present in um, making decisions for the group and how the group is going to move forward. That's sort of the laissez-faire style of, of leadership. They completely rely on the group for decision-making. You know, maybe the leader signs the documents at the end of the day, but, you know, they are not the ones who made the decision. The group made the decision, and, you know, the leader is just the one who signs the paperwork, puts it into writing, and then everyone does it. So that's sort of the the laissez-faire style of leadership. And then we have task-oriented. So task-oriented leadership is the style in which The leader is focused on the tasks that need to be performed in order to meet certain production goals or goals of the group. So task oriented leaders are generally they're more concerned with step by step solutions to a given problem and making sure that deadlines are are met on time um, and results and targets are sort of reached um, within certain times and that certain outcomes occur. I would say that this style of leadership, like I said, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. This this sounds more like management to me. But in this style here, basically, there's a lot less concern um, with, the, with catering to group members. This sort of style of leadership is about production goals and just getting people to meet the production goals. So it doesn't really matter if you want to do it. Doesn't really matter, you know, how you feel about doing it. The leader's job is just to get you to do it. Like, we have to get this done by this time, and here's what you need to do to do it. And what do I need to do to make you do it? So this also kind of falls under that that sort of uh, the theory that we talked about earlier, where we're talking about um, transactional. So it's, it's kind of like, how do I reward you in a way that's going to get you to do the things that are going to get us closer to the goal? And how do I punish you if you don't? That's sort of that that style of leadership, I think sort of arises out of this, this theory of leadership, that leadership is about transactions. It's about, you know, that there are these these goals that we need to move towards and that leadership arises out of people having the power to reward people for moving towards the goal and then punish them for not moving towards the goal. Um, and that that's why leadership arises. And this style of leadership sort of arises out of that theory that this is why we need leadership and how it arises. So the next style of leadership is relationship-oriented. So relationship-oriented leadership is about um, focusing on the relationships amongst the group and between the leader and the group. Um, relationship-oriented is A lot more concerned with the well-being and satisfaction of the group members. So they they want to know um, that not only are people taking action towards the common goal, but that they are satisfied with how it's being done, that they feel fulfilled in it, that they feel like they're a part of it. You know, it's it's more focused on the how these the certain aspects of the group, certain people within the group relate to the group and come together. That's the relationship style um, of of leadership. Now, what's interesting is that when we talk about task-oriented, some of the problems that arise from this task-oriented style of leadership is because they they focus strictly on goals and they focus strictly on, you know, getting people to acquire certain results. Their struggle point is that the well-being of group members typically suffer, and they they end up with group members that feel very resentful, very unsatisfied, and maybe are become harder and harder to motivate to get to do the, the movement towards the goal that is seen by the leader as this is the direction we need to go you see this a lot in companies that have high turnover rates. So employees that come in, they burn out really quick and then they just, you know, replace the employee like a cog in a wheel um, because the, the leadership style there is all about, okay, we just need to keep moving towards this goal here. This person is no longer going to be a part of that. So we're punishing them by kicking them out of the group. And we'll just put someone else in place that will, you know, do the job for them and we'll reward them with X amount of money in order to motivate them to want to do the job. (laughs) So, Relationship-oriented is kind of, like I said, it's more focused on the relationships, like how the people feel that are participating in the movement towards the goal. So how people are relating to the goal, how people are relating to each other, and how they work with each other towards the goal, and how they feel about these relationships. So the positives here are that this kind of environment promotes team members to feel very supported and very motivated so they want to be part of the team they want to be part of the work they they feel very it it rewards that part of the brain that produces the oxytocin it's this idea of being part of the group and being safe within the group and contributing to something that is community oriented group oriented and we feel rewarded by you know the leader of the group sort of wanting to know how we feel about it. We feel seen, we feel understood within these environments. And so people feel more motivated. There are some ideas that this emphasis, however, might result in less productivity. That's like some people's theory about this. I disagree. And I think a lot of the research now is pointing towards the fact that when people feel like they are part of the group, when they feel appreciated, when they feel understood, we actually tend to be more productive, um, and not less productive. So I think that idea is sort of being dismissed that, you know, relationship style, is, or oriented leader style is is going to cause less productivity. I feel like we're sort of putting that idea to rest, and not buying into this idea that we need to be task oriented, in order to get stuff done. Um, and that without being task oriented, we won't get things done efficiently or effectively. So yeah, then we have this um, next style of leadership, which is the paternalism. So paternalism style of leadership um, is it's reflected. It's sort of this like father figure mindset, um, very similar to the the dictator style of of leadership. But I guess there's also this element of hierarchy where it's not just that the leader says what is done and then everybody does it because that's the rule. It's almost like the leader is seen as somehow being above everybody else in some way that is, I don't know, esoterical or whatever. It's it's kind of like they just innately somehow have this above everybody else way of being and so that's why they are the leader and that's why everyone um, needs to do what they say and with this um with this style of leadership it doesn't necessarily mean though that that members of the group can't be consulted so this is also where it sort of differs from you know the authoritarian style In the paternal style of leadership, while decision-making usually ends up falling on the leader, it's not because there's a rule that just states, okay, the leader makes all the decisions, nobody else has any say in it. It's more so because the leader is seen as somehow being above everybody else, being better than everybody else, being stronger, being more, I don't know, innately a leader, and so therefore they they, they should be in that role of decision-making. So... The the choices that members can choose from tend to be limited because of this idea, and so while the members of the group may think, okay, in theory, I could question here, I could ask questions, you know, I could make some choices here, I don't necessarily have to do everything that the leader is saying that I have to do without question— they feel very limited because of the fact that the leader is seen as somehow being above them in a way that is not tangible for them. And, you know, so they're, they're, the choices that they do have tend to be much more limited than in, say, the relationship style of, co- uh, of leadership. Or in uh, the next style of leadership we're going to talk about, which is this servant style of leadership, so the servant style of leadership is a little bit interesting. I think it it has its strong points, but also you know, a little there's there's something in it that that feels a little bit weak to me. So the servant style of leadership is basically where it's like there's a group and the group sees that there is a common goal, there is a common idea to move towards and that the group moving towards that is is about this this common culture this these common goals, and that the leader's job is sort of simply to be the, the guardian of that that idea, that culture, that um, methodology, I guess you could say, so basically you have the group and the group agrees that this is the uh, this is the way that we want to believe in this this is going to be our our common idea this is going to be our common goal this is our common methodology our common culture and the leader is more so there to serve that purpose so they didn't arise because you know they they decided that you know I I see this goal and I want to inspire other people to see this goal and follow along. It's more like, okay, there's the group, the group exists, they have a common goal, they have a common idea, they have a common culture, and the leader is more so there to protect that idea, to give it legs, to constantly reinforce it and kind of talk about it and um, re-inspire people to remind them, like, remember, this is what we're moving towards. We already agreed on this. And there's that style of leadership that it's about serving the group to remind them, like, hey, this is what you all said you wanted to work towards. So I'm merely here to serve you all and remind you, like, this is what we want to work towards. So here's what we're doing. I'm protecting this idea for you all. I'm I'm protecting it from outside influence. I'm protecting it from other people within the group, calling it into question. That's sort of like the, the servant leadership style. And then we have the last leadership style, which is the authentic leadership style. So we talked about the authentic leadership theory, and then we have the authentic leadership style, which is basically leading leading a group based on this confidence that one has in their self identity in their values and how they believe that these values are something that other people can connect to and that contribute to the overall good of humanity and that the leader is someone who self reflects so while they have their values and and sort of their there's I guess, their core values, like the ones that are most important for them. And, you know, they see other people's values. They're also capable of self-reflection, you know, coming, stemming from, like, feedback that they receive from the group. So I would say authentic leadership style, it it sort of incorporates several of the other styles here. So I would say it incorporates the, the democratic style, where it's about, you know, Consulting the group and seeing social equality and seeing that all members of the group, their opinions, their their values, their their purpose within the group is just as important as the leader. So there's that that sort of consultation, there that back and forth between the group and the leader. The leader's not just like a dictator. Um, and then there's also that that relationship approach, so that relationship oriented style where the leader is also very focused on how people are feeling about their, you know, their position in the group, how they're approaching movement towards the goal, how they see how movement towards the goal is also contributing to their own well-being in their life. And so this authentic leadership style is about seeing all of this. But then it's also, a, I think, the most important thing when it comes to separating authentic leadership style from these other styles is that there is a huge emphasis placed on trying to avoid manipulation and coercion in how leaders inspire other people to participate in a common goal. So when it comes to this this style of authenticity, there is the aspect of the the democratic leadership style. There is the aspect of the um you know the the relationship leader focused leadership style, um, and there is also this aspect of the the servant leadership style and the fact that you know they are the 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 groups under an authentic leader are going to be focused on values and ideas that they have agreed upon. But I think one of the differences when when we talk about the the servant leadership style is that it doesn't necessarily emphasize wanting to. Stay away from possible coercion or possible manipulation to get people to follow through. Authenticity, the the authentic leadership style is about really focusing on making sure that not only is there the common value, the, the common value of the group, not only is there the common story, the common culture, but that everybody within the group is connected to that on a level where they want to be there and want to participate not because they're being um, you know threatened or punished if they don't not because they're being coerced not because they're being emotionally manipulated but they are there because they genuinely feel inspired in a way to want to participate to the common goal to the, the common culture of the group because they feel a connection to it based on their own um, you know, values and desires in life and goals in life on a personal level. <clears throat> so we've covered a lot of territory today, guys. We've, we've talked about a lot of theories when it comes to leadership. Um, we've talked about styles of leadership. And we've talked about sort of how some of these these theories of leadership and these styles of leadership can can have some problems. So the main thing that I want you all to get out of today when we when we consider these theories of leadership and how it arises in styles of leadership um, and how we use leadership is to consider when we go back to the, to the beginning of this episode and we talk about the the definition of leadership. So leadership being this process of social influence, inspiration, trust, and understanding. So remember, I said at the beginning of the episode that inspiration, trust, and understanding are important. And why I am sort of next week going to focus solely on authentic leadership as the theory and as a style is because I feel like out of all of the theories that we talked about today, out of all of the styles that we talked about today, it's the one that gets us closest to really focusing on this idea of true inspiration, trust, and understanding. And what I want you all to begin to consider today is as you listen through these these sort of ideas, these models of leadership and how leadership arises, these styles of leadership and how people actually lead, is to consider your own internalized model of leadership and how you will look for people in life to be a leader to you and how you will take on leadership positions in leading other people and in how you will show up as a leader in your own life, in your personal development. And the reason why I want you to consider this is I want you to think about how much of your own particular view on leadership, your own leadership style, if you are someone who is in a leadership position, how much are you really going back to the truth of what leadership is actually about, the inspiration, the trust, and the understanding And making sure that you embody these and are fulfilling this this part of the definition of leadership as a leader in your own life and for other people. How much are you looking to leaders in your life to lead you that embody these aspects of inspiration, trust, and understanding? Or how much are you looking to leaders to be these these dictators, these sort of authoritarian figures, these uh, maybe paternal figures that they're somehow better than you as a person and so therefore you shouldn't question them too much? Um, how much are you, how much of your story surrounding leadership really focuses on this idea of inspiration, trust, and understanding? That's the big question I want for you all to think about today. And I want you all to consider because of the fact that we have all of this research out there, all of these theories out there about leadership, and they've been around for a very long time. And authentic leadership is something that we're only just now in the last 20 years beginning to consider, which I know for some of you may seem like a long time because that's maybe been as long as you've been alive or even longer. But, you know, even though we've only started to, to begin to, to look at this, I, I want you to consider the, that because this is such a new theory there is a huge body of literature out there. There is a huge culture out there. There is a huge social pull out there for us to look at leadership in ways that, first of all, synonymously lumps leadership in with management. And last week, we talked about why that's important to separate out. And we talked about how some of these these theories of leadership here, really, they do. They lump them together. When we talk about, you know, the the situational theory or the functional theory of leadership, these really embody management, not leadership. But we have these bodies of work out there. We have these very strong social pulls and cues to look at these theories of leadership, these styles of leadership that are really about management, that are about manipulation, that are about coercion, that are about punishment and reward. I want you all to begin to consider how much of that has influenced you and your sort of style of of leadership within your own life, within how you will lead other people, and in how you will look to others as leaders. I want you all to begin to question that today. And remember that when we talk about leadership, that really what we're looking for, really what we're looking for when we talk about leadership is about this inspiration, trust, and understanding and being able to use that to maximize the efforts of a group to contribute towards a common idea, goal or vision. And how some of these theories, some of these styles of leadership totally negate that because it's all about forcing people to do things based on a goal that someone else decided and then using resources and basic human needs to manipulate people into following through on those ideas. And when we when we approach our leadership style this way, externally, we see the problems in it. We see, we're seeing it in business, we're seeing it in corporate structures, and we're starting to try and move away from that. But one area where I think a lot of people are not thinking about this is how it's also affecting their leadership within their families. So parents, how you're leading your children. And then also, when it comes to our leadership within ourselves, our own lives and our personal development. How much are you seeing your role as leader in your personal development as being a dictator, as being like, this is how life has to be, and you just do it, and if you don't do it, I'm going to do these things to punish you and use guilt and shame, and how much do we use these models of leadership to inspire, or not to inspire, but to stimulate our behavior and how we show up for ourselves and lead ourselves in our own personal development? I want you to begin to consider that today. I want you to begin to question that today. I want you to begin to really take an honest look at that and how this can be impacting your own personal development. Because, yeah, we see it in in corporate structures with other people. We see how it causes a lot of burnout. We see how it causes a lot of people to leave organizations feeling frustrated and unappreciated and misunderstood. But a lot of times this shows up in our personal development, too. And the fact that we internally reject parts of ourselves and resist parts of ourselves and exasperate parts of ourselves because we're using these styles and theories of leadership that are about manipulation and punishment and, you know, um, really coercing ourselves into ideas that we don't authentically believe in and we don't know why instead of taking approaches where it's about understanding what is important for us and understanding what inspires us and understanding how we um, relate to a goal in life and why it is important for us. And next week we're going to talk about how authentic leadership, I believe, is the answer to this and how we want to start to embody this idea of an authentic leadership style in not only how we we lead in life out there with other people, families, friend friend groups, corporate structures, but also in how we approach our own personal development and leading ourselves in our own lives when it comes to our personal development. So, yeah, a lot of theory today, a lot of information. I hope you all have some questions and thoughts about this. I would love to hear thoughts and comments on these leadership theories and styles guys you know i've been diving into this i'm sure that some of you out there have also done a lot of reading surrounding these leadership styles and theories i want to know what you all know about these these theories and styles because i'm the more i dive into it the more i want to know and the more i want to read and i'm i'm really sort of abbreviating a lot of this information trying to make it sort of like a simple one on one 101 class on diving into beginning to understand that leadership is very complex and that there are a lot of theories out there there are a lot of ideas out there about leadership not all of them are constructive but we are being influenced by them and we we want to consider that so i want to know your thoughts and questions about this i want to know some of your thoughts that come up when you when you listen to these theories about leadership, these styles of leadership. Tell me about where you've seen this in your own life, where you see yourself embodying these aspects of leadership, where you see other people embodying these aspects of leadership, where you shy, maybe you shy away from leadership because of some of these ideas of what a leader needs to be and how this might be affecting you in your life. I want to hear from you guys. Okay, so please reach out. Give me your thoughts, your comments, your ideas on this. Um, Maybe some of it also helps me in how I'm going to structure um, next week's podcast episode on authentic leadership, um, the theory and the style and why this is so important for us to begin to consider and embody and embrace when it comes to how we look at leadership. So yeah, I want to hear from you guys on this. Don't just sit on this episode. Um, I know it's just a lot of information, but there is the application that I want you all to really begin to consider how you've been influenced to look at leadership and how that could be, you know, affecting how you're showing up for your own personal development even, and in how you lead other people in ways that you might not want to actually be, you know, being influenced. So it's really a great, a great question to begin to ask yourself and to consider. And to really get clear on what you want your leadership style to be, how you want to embody leadership and what that's going to look like for you, and to begin to see the fact that you, whether you actively participate in the role or not, you are a leader in your personal development in life, and you will be... Um, the, the, the final call in the direction that you will head with your personal development. So really embodying your role as leader in your life is so important. And in order to be able to do so, we really need to understand what is my leadership style? What is my idea of leadership? And why is that? Why does that construct exist? And how does this affect the way I'm going to show up for myself and advocate for myself and my personal development? And then for those of you who, like I said, are in leadership positions out there in the world in charge of other people, you also may want to reconsider how you're showing up for your leadership style with them. So I'm here for all of your thoughts, questions, ideas when it comes to this. I think this is a great and interesting conversation. I'm really this year in 2023 wanting to get clear on my own leadership style as a coach because my sort of motto for 2023, I I told you all earlier on in the year at the end of last year, that sort of the sentence that I'm wanting to embody this year is belief is action and action is belief. And I want to take action in the direction of where I'm I'm going as a coach, where I'm leading people as a coach. And so in order to do this, I want to be very clear on how it is that I want to lead people and what that's going to look like and where these ideas come from. And You know, am I really being authentic in the way that I I want to lead people and how I want to lead myself in my own personal development? Um, So yeah, this great topic to talk about. I'm excited to continue the conversation next week. Leave me your thoughts, ideas, and questions. Hit me up. Um, You guys have my my email in the show notes. You've got my social media. So hit me up on social media, uh, on my website. And I look forward to hearing what you all have to say about this conversation surrounding leadership. And that's all I've got for you all this week. I'll be here again next week to talk with you all about authentic leadership style and theory. And I look forward to talking to you then. So until then, ciao. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the content of this podcast. If you did, please subscribe so that you're one of the first people to know when I release a new episode each week. If you have any questions or if you have interest in learning more about the coaching that I do with my clients one-on-one, then just head over to my website at www.lifecoachseth.com. That's www.lifecoachseth.com. There you're going to have the ability to reach out to me for questions that you might have or to book your free discovery call with me to discuss what one-on-one coaching with me might be like for you. You can also check out and order your copy of my book to get a taste of what I'm all about as a person and as a coach. I'm so happy that you joined us today and I hope to have you here again next week. So until then, let authenticity be the guide to your most unstoppable and fulfilling journey of life.